0: Warning this episode contains frank discussion about substance abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Recording from sunny Sonora, California, this is the Young Adults Fighting Tobacco Coalition podcast. Jen Green with one of your co-hosts, Johnny.
1: This is Jennifer. This is Chelsea.
0: Now, today we have a special privilege of having personnel from the Alameda County Tobacco Control Program. Uh, She is uh, Alex Winston. And before we go into our main interview, I would like to thank all of you listeners for hopping in and uh, reacting as vibrantly as you did to our last episode. Uh, We are more than fortunate to have uh, your support. Uh, Do we have any other comments?
1: No, just to say thank you for, you know, everyone's amazing support. Uh, You know, we we definitely can't do these podcasts without your generous support. So thank you. And thank you also chelsea for doing your amazing podcast i know we can't take all the credit because that was that was you yeah.
2: thank you guys so much for listening and for allowing me to nerd out over covid vaccines i really appreciate it and i hope you guys learned a lot
0: now without further ado on to the main program alex winston our subject for interview today is an Alameda County Control Coalition director and has been for the last four years building its members committees and capacity to a list of more than 300 members with about 60 core members. She graduated with honors and with a BA in organizational development and leadership from Eckerd College in her hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida. She's currently pursuing a master's in public administration at UC San Bernardino, while working as an aide to Solani, Solano County District 5 Supervisor Skip Thom- Thompson. In addition to this, I had the privilege of working with her on a previous webinar she did over the effects of tobacco abuse in BIPOC communities. Thank you so much for being here, Ms. Winston.
3: Happy to be here today with you, John.
0: All right. So uh, one of the first questions uh, I would like to ask you is uh, what has been the experience working as an aide for District 5 of Solano County under uh, Supervisor Thompson?
3: Well, it's been a bit of a roller coaster of an experience. Um, Actually, Supervisor Thompson retired in January of 2021 this year, and I now work for District 2 Supervisor Monica Brown, but I do the same job for both supervisors. So, a large part of that is public service. Um, we do a lot of constituent services, and currently, right now, um, I would say 90% of our contacts with the public is about COVID and vaccinations and trying to get people hooked up to the services that they need as we've been going through the pandemic.
0: Right on. That's. I can imagine that would be a Herculean effort for any county, but especially for uh, one closer to the Bay Area.
3: Absolutely. It has been a challenge, of course, also with all of the different um, up and down funding, um, getting together our budgets, of course, has been a bit of an exercise in gymnastics. but we have amazing department heads and it's all coming together. and we're grateful for all of the you know care funds and things like that that the federal government has been sending down so that we can respond appropriately.
0: Well, I'm glad to see such coordination. How do you feel um, this has compounded the effects of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic in these communities?
3: Hmm. It's a number of different ways. Um, We know that smoking and vaping damages the lungs um, and it also weakens your immune system. And for your lungs, because it's busy running damage control when you're regularly vaping and smoking. Uh, the other thing about that, especially with vapors, is they're continuously setting down their various different electronic smoking devices or putting them in their pockets or touching other surfaces. And then they're repeatedly taking that vape pen or whatever it is and putting it in their mouth over and over again, which obviously... Increases their exposure. And then, of course, with secondhand smoke, which is equally damaging to the lungs, almost as much as a smoker. And also secondhand aerosol from vape clouds can carry particles of coronavirus in it. And if you've ever seen a vape cloud, they're pretty darn large. So if you can imagine that as little tiny microparticles of coronavirus being blown out all over the place, That also increases the danger. So again, you have inequity, health inequities going on with communities of color, but then you have these industries with big tobacco who have specifically targeted these communities. So therefore, their defenses um, against getting coronavirus or COVID nineteen are lowered.
0: So what what you're before I go and I have. Another co-host asked you a question because I don't want to railroad it. So what you're telling me is that if one of the boys is blowing a massive load of smoke in my face, it might carry germs.
3: Well, sure. Right. Because oh my God. All of that's entering the lungs and then coming back out. Right. So think about right. when you're outside and it's cold and you you know, blow your breath really hard and you can see all the vapor coming out of your lungs, right? It's the same, same concept. So of course, you know, there can be particles in it and we know that that's how coronavirus um, is carried um, among people similar to the flu or
1: even the common cold.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah. And if I may hop in real quick, you know, I just want to, you know, make sure the audience is aware that, um, you know, vape aerosols, they contain, they not only contain um, nicotine, but they can also contain things that you can find in cigarettes too, like cancer causing chemicals, heavy metals, uh, formaldehyde. Um, Alex, you mentioned that, you know, it has ultrafine particles too, um, and volatile organic compounds as well. And that's all in the vape aerosol as well. Um, And you think about, you know, which, you know, option is safer for you, you know, vapes versus cigarettes. And I mean, they both have formaldehyde, they both have cancer causing chemicals and heavy metals. You know, if they both have the same stuff in it, you know, neither of them is really safer for you. Um, I would argue, at least. But it's pretty serious knowing that even if you know you don't vape or you don't smoke, you're still at risk from secondhand smoke or secondhand aerosol. You know, with getting COVID or getting you know these nasty chemicals in your lungs as well. And I'm sure it's you know much worse in um, black communities.
0: I'd really like to see, Miss Winston, what it was like seeing big tobacco advertising and lobbying uh, go on supercharge in Oakland uh, in response to the flavored tobacco ban. I'm actually unfamiliar with how uh, there are price controls on tobacco products in majority Black neighborhoods, but what other Uh, forces the lobby to make the flavored tobacco ban illegal? Well,
3: there were various different things that went
0: on. I think it's important
3: to note that at that time, the cities of San Francisco, Oakland, San Leandro, and the county of Contra Costa were all moving at the same time to pass um, flavored tobacco restrictions, including menthol. San Francisco was the only city that was brave enough to go all the way across the board. At this time, there were legal concerns that the industry was going to sue um, whichever city um, tried to implement an all-out flavor restriction for their jurisdiction. So Oakland actually moved... San Francisco went first, Um, there actually wound up being a a referendum on theirs, it went to the voters, they upheld it, thank goodness the industry did not sue, clearly they believed that they didn't have legal footing to do so. In Oakland, it was an extremely big fight um, and it went to show how much attention the industry has um, paid to especially black communities and the grip that they want to keep on them and when i say that they hired lobbying firms including former mayor of san francisco willie brown's lobbying firm to lobby on our behalf they also um hired um Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton, yes. former Congressman Kendrick Meeks. Um, um, there's various other organizations that um, take money from the industry. At that time, um, the Willie Brown um, and his lobbying team were contacting members of Oakland City Council and trying to talk to them about how um, passing a flavor restriction, including menthol, was um, not in the best interest of Black and African American communities in Oakland. And unfortunately, um, Reverend Al Sharpton also was holding meetings in churches in East Oakland, carrying the message that if a menthol flavor ban was put into place, that there would be more police ha- harassment that could lead to arrests in black communities, that it was a black tax and also that it was taking away the freedom of choice and was specifically directed at black people. Um, of course, myself, I was working for Alameda County Public Health Department at that time and my colleagues um, and, and who I also call friend at the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council are the who make up the founders of that organization make up the leading experts in the country on menthol tobacco use among African Americans? Um, of course, joined forces to counter all of that messaging and try to put the community more at ease that um, the the restriction is on the sale, not on the possession of these products. There wasn't going to be any more arrests or police harassments due to these restrictions. And that, you know, the, the goal was to is to protect future generations after such heavy, heavy, heavy targeting of their communities. The tobacco industry also paid um, tobacco retailers in the city of Oakland pretty large sums of money who in turn turned around and gave it to customers who purchased these products at their stores so that they would pick it outside of City Hall and inside of City Hall and lobby on their behalf. Wow. So it, it was it was quite the fight. Um, I was thankful to have been a part of it and been able to witness um, some of the greatness of it as well. Um, but it, it, it was very, very visible what the industry has been doing and is still doing to this day to continue to play a false narrative and to somehow turn it around that it's a good thing to continue to be addicted to and buy a product that kills you. I think it's important to note that tobacco-related deaths is the number one killer of Black African Americans in the United States. Which usually hovers between forty-five and forty-nine thousand Black lives every year. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, and if I may jump in, I'm pretty sure tobacco use oh, yes. it kills more African Americans per year than murders, drugs, suicides. Um, sure, there's one other thing, but I mean, it it's um it's really not amazing as in a good thing, but it's just unbelievable that you know so many lives are lost every year due to tobacco and we're trying to save their lives and it's getting twisted as a way to you know keep them under somehow and it's it's just simply really sad i know back in 2009 um we could have ended the the sale of menthol cigarettes but um when they passed a uh, favor plan of cigarette or yeah, flavor ban of cigarettes. They didn't include menthol, um, and that was a huge loophole that could have potentially saved thousands of black lives too.
0: Yeah, if if I may, again, as I'm I'm sure you know, I am the enlightened European in this room. <laughs> but the the same rhetoric is um, what I I read about uh, overseas when. Uh, an Eastern European country uh, tries to either prohibit or tax alcohol. Like I, I, don't, I don't think it's surprising to anyone who's heard of the stereotype that Eastern Europeans are alcoholics. But as an institution, um, alcohol abuse is a monster. It creates a vicious cycle of addicts and it creates a generation of people and in a sense held in a yoke of perpetual substance abuse and every time it seems to be brought up and that we should stop this social ill it's always about freedom it's always about your freedom to choose to kill yourself But it is never about the freedom, I feel, to not have your children become alcoholics or um, develop a nicotine dependency. And I think the same kind of toxic rhetoric is what continues to keep uh, the industry uh, and its firm grip on uh, much of Black America.
1: Yeah, and to add on to that, if I may, um, I mean, where you, throughout the world um, you can find, you know, as more women are getting, you know, rights in other countries and as they should, they should absolutely, you know, have that liberation uh, movement happen you know, we see big tobacco going into that country and advertising cigarettes as a way for them to um, portray themselves as um,
0: as independent. And
1: exactly. Free. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. All, all big tobacco advertising for me is just predatory. It's, it's selling them a product that when used exactly as intended is going to either kill you or, you know, give you cancer or some other you know, obscure disease, and it's just sad because, you know, even if you don't smoke, you can also, you can suffer from those, just that effect of, you know, your mom smoking, you know, if you grow up and your mom smokes, I mean, you probably get secondhand smoke from her, and that's just sad.
0: Well, that is a reality uh, for quite a lot of people, but um, what, what other observations from... Uh, the wonderful work you've done uh, just within the last year dealing with the COVID-19 epidemic along with the epidemic of nicotine abuse along with our our new age of civil rights activism. What what has it been like to be in uh, one of these positions of public health uh, in a time like this, Ms. Winston?
3: Well, I would say that you know, finally, they're starting to get a little bit more attention in the press about these things and what's going on. The Black Lives Matter movement, of course, also the with the pandemic and coronavirus being a respiratory virus, you know, it's kind of brought some of these issues to the forefront as actual right now emergencies. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that we as advocates have is framing the issue of tobacco use and social injustice as an emergency issue Um, given elected officials who are constantly having to deal with day-to-day i mean wildfire season alone um, exhausting and then when you add a pandemic on top of it in all of the other responsibilities that they have it can be very difficult to frame this as an emergency issue, but it is an emergency. It's an emergency when we are losing forty-five to 49,000 Black lives every year in America because of the predatory marketing practices of the tobacco industry. And so one of the things that I try to incorporate in the trainings that I do is How to do that? How do you frame this issue as a now issue? And quite frankly, Black Lives Matter and the pandemic have helped propel it, you know, to the front of the line in a lot of areas. The the one thing I would say about that is we saw SB 793 go to the governor's desk. It was signed. It was a statewide California um, flavored tobacco Ban that would have included menthol. The industry, of course, did a referendum. Um, there it's going to be put to the ballot. They collected, I believe, over 600,000 signatures and they paid people eight dollars a signature to collect those signatures. And what a time! To be able to convince people to do that when we're in the middle of a global pandemic and people, you know, we're in economic distress. Hardship. And so, of course, if you offer eight dollars per signature to go issue a referendum against this public health policy. Um, there is a good chance that you preying on vulnerable communities, again, is going to pay off. Um, And that is exactly what happened. They qualified for the referendum. Uh, We expect it to be on the... Either November 22nd ballot or if there actually is a successful effort to issue a recall against Governor Newsom, it would be able to be on that ballot even sooner. But I think that it's very important to educate our communities about that specific.
0: Absolutely. it is. It, it almost feels like now that we have a vocabulary to see that, hey, there are still a plethora of structural issues. Like, um, again, I'm sure the other history buff in uh, in this call uh, can attest to it. But when you hear Black Panthers going up and talking about forms of violence that are done to America's nationalities, you heard in the 60s, in the 70s, systemic racism is a major issue systemic forces that go redlining like the hyper exploitive position of the tobacco industry you create all of these different conditions which have a marginalized population that Again, this is where I scare all the people off, but you get a population that can be easier influenced, that can be better manipulated and bargained with. And I don't mean to talk about Black issues as some outsider because I want more Black friends to like my post whenever I say something. To them. <laughs> But th- this is an issue of liberty, equality, and fraternity, and I think that this is why I get so fired up about it. It it turns out that even our own country won't follow the Constitution. God help us. Yeah. But that's a that's a different discussion. We've scared away enough people today, to... so this is only within the realm of speculation. But Miss Winston, since you are, a, quite frankly, a professional in your field, a definite inspiration for public service. When I get into uh, the political process, um, what are your thoughts on the current class action lawsuit against Jewel Labs?
3: Uh, I think that there's some well-founded evidence that Jewel, as we saw um, in the congressional hearing that they had in Washington, D.C., pulled some notes from the Big Tobacco playbook. Uh, We know that they were funding summer camps for children as young as eight. We know that they had educators going into classrooms and sharing the message that their products were safe um, and did not cause any harm. Uh, a lot of stuff has kind of come out about um, what they were, what they were up to. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think that uh, the current lawsuit right now with the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council, ASH, and also AMA, the American Medical Association, joining on as well um, against the FDA for not banning menthol cigarettes is also something that we should all be watching. Um, As my dear friend and colleague Carol Magruder says, um, in 2009 in the Family Smoking Prevention Act, when flavored cigarettes were banned, but menthol was excluded that (laughs) Black children and people were relegated to the back of the public health bus, that other people's children were protected and that theirs were not. And that is true because at this time, we know um, that African-American smokers, over 80% of them use menthol cigarettes um, due to the pernicious advertising that has been um, projected into their community. Um, They used to drive vans and trucks um, into Black neighborhoods and give away free menthol cigarettes. They were, the industry was ahead of the curve when it came to advertising, where they were showing, you know, Black sports players and models and all of these things in their advertising way before many, many, many others were. And that was an exciting thing to see that representation because representation matters. But yeah. it was also backed by a very evil industry that did not have
0: anybody's best interest
3: in mind when doing so. Um, and it's all about intention. Mm-hmm.
0: It absolutely is. It's almost like a principle uh, that I see a lot in contemporary politics that is deeply upsettling to me. It's the sort of passive progressivism, if I may. It's like there is such this push for representation and yet all of this representation is a brown face on a board of oil executives, or it is a brown face on a board of tobacco marketing executives to get a new generation hooked on nicotine. It's almost like the guise of something better being done. That is very potent. Thank you, uh, Ms. Winston. Absolutely. So that is about all the questions we have for you. So, We'd like to thank you so much for being on this program. Thank you so
3: much for having me. I really appreciate being invited to be here today. And I hope that I uh, can carry the message to others and help educate the community a little bit as much as possible to fight the good fight and continue to know about these things and do what you can to help out uh, your fellows.
0: Absolutely. I think... I think if anyone's to have a takeaway from this is that tobacco isn't just some thing that affects people and that's it, but it it in itself has developed its own sort of institution and its own sort of predatory. Absolutely. And I think when we're finally opening up the discourse on systemic racism, after closing that book, nearly 50 years ago now i really appreciate how especially people like you miss winston are able to bring in the facts and uh carry with the conviction you do that big tobacco is in fact one of these systemic forces that keep people poor that keep people dying of cancer that keeps people hooked and If we want to make a better world for everyone that requires we face big tobacco and it's big stinking face so we are more than honored for you to be on this program and we'd love to have you here on the future thank you so much for all the work you do and i hope that the administration and the second district of solano county go uh smoothly
3: thank you all for having me Um, i appreciated being here i know i could blabber on about this stuff for absolutely ever
1: uh, oh we we know but
0: we appreciate that
1: Well, we
0: have this whole episode about you and the work you do. And that's fundamental for us.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I was going to say, like, if it's not too late, you know, if you wanted to say something else to the viewers that, you know, you're really passionate about, you know, if it's again, if it's not too late, Johnny, you know, maybe if you had any, you know, thing else you wanted to talk to our audience about, you know, maybe we could fit you in if that's not too much trouble.
0: So like uh, the closing part?
1: No, no. I mean, like, if she wanted to like tell our viewers anything, but I mean, oh, that's kind option. of like okay. vague, and you know, I don't know if you want any okay. want to say anything else, but um, if the options no, available,
0: I I carried it because I carried the earlier part of this because um, I'm just very rapidly pro <laughs> what Miss <laughs> Winston's doing. So if if you'd like to have any. Like a uh, final remarks. Um, I mean that should be just
3: fine. I would if I was, was gonna make any remarks, down. it would be it would be that I would encourage people to get involved. I would encourage people to advocate for tobacco control policies, whether it's secondhand smoke policies or sale restrictions or excise taxes, whatever it looks like. Um, call your local city council members, call your board of supervisors, tell them that this issue is important to you, tell them it's an emergency because it is. That would be what my parting words are. That's perfect, I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, it is, yeah, an emergency, always has been, it will continue to be so, and until we treat it with the urgency it desires. Is yeah, to it takes a long
3: it. time. And that's why people don't look at it as an emergency, um, which is very sad.
0: It is. Well, to, to complete that, you know, it's like my favorite JFK quote that I will recreate with my <laughs> stupid impression of him. We choose to go to the moon not because it is easy, but <laughs> because it is hard. <laughs> and these things are very hard. These things are really oh, hard. That is great. <laughs> but, <laughs> we, thank you. But we don't we don't we don't choose to solve these systemic problems. We don't choose to go and pick it. We don't choose to go and fight for black lives because it's easy oh my god it is not easy we choose to do it because it is so very hard and I would like to just thank you for the clarity that you provided absolutely
3: I'm so glad I could join you guys I do have to go though I've got about five minutes in between meetings I have a seven o'clock tonight as well the work never stops no it never stops not with not with one full-time job one part-time job grad school and four kids it doesn't stop oh my god yeah
1: yeah and big tobacco never sleeps either and (laughs) neither
3: do I
2: (laughs) well I think we learned a lot today I mean I know I did um we learned a lot about big tobacco and how Basically, it's just the biggest bully right now in our society. Um, and there's It really intersects with a lot of different parts of issues that we're focusing on currently. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we just wanted to let you guys know that we are going to have an Instagram pretty soon for Yaft. Um, we'll give you more details on that pretty soon. Um, also if you guys want to join yaft, which you definitely can, um, you can email us. Um, we will have that email in the description there. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time.